Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Well, good morning, Valley. Oh, he did get you warmed up. We are ready to go. I'm so excited this morning uh, to come before you once again. I got all these booby traps. I'm moving stuff because I don't want to fall up here. The internet's not nice to people who fall. I do not want to go viral for that. Uh, we give praise to God. Uh, I covet your prayers. My wife is back home. But she came back home and her allergies just like went haywire. So I still have yet to see my wife. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to sleep downstairs. But because of COVID, I, I did it for you, Valley. Nobody said amen. She didn't take a test. I'm like, you go upstairs, I'll go down here. I'll see you when I get you a test, and then we'll be reunited. So I just covered your prayers this morning. I'm excited because we're going through this uh, study in the book of Philippians. Attitude adjustments. Attitude adjustments. They kind of been sticking me pretty hard, Mike. And this one's really hit me because I've been studying it for a while. And so let's pray. I hope it won't hurt so bad. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. We're here to glorify him and to lift up his name. Father, I pray in our few moments today that the Spirit of God would move, that people would see Jesus in all his glory, but we would also see ourselves, and those who need a Savior would see him as their Savior today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, in whom I trust, and all God's people said, Amen. Uh, attitude adjustments. About seven years ago, I had a doctor's appointment. You can take me down. Yeah, because I'm going to get louder than this. And I want people to come back. I had a doctor's appointment. And those of you who go on those annual appointments, they start probing and they start doing all kind of stuff. And they took my blood. And he said, Barry, in a couple days, I'll get back to you about your labs. I said, cool. I go in every, every year, I have this big thing of water. Because all my doctors said, drink water. So I try to prove that I'm drinking water. I like Pepsi. <laughs> so I try to fool him, say, I'm drinking water, doc. And then he comes back with the lab and he says, Barry, I got some bad news for you. You're pre-diabetic and you're pre-hypertension. I'm going to prescribe some medicine. I said, Doc, wait a minute. Because I heard once you get on medicine, it's hard to get off. I said, can I have some time to make some changes? 
He said, okay, I'll give you a little bit of time to make some changes. So I went home and I began making a few changes. After a while, I went back. He took lab work and guess what? I was no longer pre. I was in that thumbs up category. You know, that's the worst news you could give somebody. Because guess what I did? I drank that for about four months, but Pepsi was calling me. Every time I turned around, there was a Pepsi commercial. Every time I Googled something, there was Pepsi on my screen. And I told my wife, sweetie, can I just have one Pepsi? I promise I won't, I won't ask for another one. I lied. I went from one to a six pack. Why are you owing it? Don't act like you ain't never did that before. Like I'm the worst thing. But that's kind of how our spiritual journey becomes. We tell God, God, I won't, I won't do that again. I won't, I won't. But before you know it, you're back doing what you said to God you wouldn't do. And then you have those people, I call them those ones that want to bring you back in line. They'll, they'll challenge your, your faith and say, and you call yourself a Christian. Have you ever heard that come out? Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, Jesus paid it all. I'm not perfect. That's why Jesus had to come. So we have, Paul has some real haters that don't like Paul at all. And if you recognize the book of Philippians, they got on him because he was in jail. And he was like, how are you this great apostle, but yet you're in prison? Now, Paul's writing back to them. Now, let's start digging into Philippians chapter 3. Well, before we go there, if we're going to have a mature attitude, it starts with our mindset. As a man thinketh, so is he. Whatever you're dwelling on, you have to recognize it's going to come through in your actions. Paul puts it best in Romans 8, 5, and 6. He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So today we want to learn how to allow the Spirit to control our minds. How to allow the Spirit to control our minds. Paul tells them in Philippians chapter 3, watch out for these false teachers. Watch out for those who claim to be believers but are not. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, 
who glory in Christ and who put no confidence in the flesh. Recognizing Paul's trying to get them to understand there are certain things that our world deems as important. One of those things is not being in jail, right? <laughs> I would say, I'm like, Jesus, I'll serve you anywhere. I'll work the prison ministry, but please don't put me in prison. Y'all say amen. Yeah, I don't want to go to jail. I've served in prison ministries all over. Giving people hope beyond the bars that they stand behind. Giving people hope that there is something new that happens to them if they put their hope in Christ. Hope is the greatest thing you can give somebody. Somebody who's in a situation that has no hope, they're liable to do anything. But these false teachers were putting confidence in the things that the world esteems. Money, position, power. Think about the things when you meet somebody new and you're having a conversation. So what do you do? I hate that question. Can I just tell you? That's a question I wrestle with. Oh, I'm a teacher. What do you teach? Darn it. Well, I teach the Bible. Then you get all kind of looks. So you're, yeah, I'm a pastor. I have a lot of questions. I'm like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a long plane ride. I got this person that has questions, but really doesn't have questions. They just want to trip me up and think, see, do I believe what I say I believe? Is Jesus real? Did he really live? I said, well, the historian Josephus said he did. There's over 500 people that saw him after the resurrection. And it's written in the history book, so I, I guess he lived. And then they go, well, how do you know? Didn't you just hear me? I said the history book. Go to the history books. You won't go to the Bible. I'll send you to what you want to go to. But then the Spirit of God starts getting to me. I said, Barry, be patient. Because a person without the Spirit, the natural man, the things of the Spirit is foolishness to him. So I have to recognize if he doesn't have a spirit, how do I expect him to believe? So on the plane ride, it starts having that prayer time. God, help me to speak words of life to him that he would understand that what's happened to me could happen to him. But your spirit has to provoke that change. I can't argue the change. It took me a long time to get there. 20 plus years to get there because we want everything instantly. Our society has made us believe that everything we want can happen overnight. It's not how it works. It's a process. And when we start putting confidence in our flesh, we are no longer walking in the spirit. We're walking by our own nature. Because we got to understand salvation from beginning to end starts with God.
Paul says it in Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? For it is the power of God for salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It's the power of God. It's all about God moving in somebody's life. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. A new creation. You become brand new. But part of that newness is you have the Spirit of God living in you. Ephesians chapter 1 tells you that he is the sealed promise. The Holy Spirit resides in you. We have everything for life and godliness, Peter tells us. Once you become a believer, you have everything. I hear you. I hear the question. I don't feel like I have everything. I feel like I need some more things. My car is breaking down on me. I think I need a new car. The refrigerator is not acting right. I need, I need, I need. But God knows what you need even before you ask him. Recognize the power that he has because Paul said, I've learned. I've learned to live with much and to live with little. But the secret of contentment is I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. If we could ever understand our contentment is in him. Everything we need is in him. But the problem is sometimes we believe what the world says if we don't have all the flashy things of the world, then we may not be walking the way God wants us or God may be just trying to punish us. I believe Paul's trying to tell him, stop putting confidence in the flesh because if anybody had confidence to be able to do that, I'm the guy. I am, look at what he says. Though I myself have reason for confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Look, look at his resume. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, prosecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul says, when I was living out there in the world, I was the one. I was faultless until he had an encounter with the living God. And he realized he was no longer faultless. He realized the, the weight of his sins. You understand all the songs we sang today was recognizing what Jesus did for us on that cross. He paid a debt that none of us could pay. They, anybody remember when you were in college? Any college students with us? Yes, I'll talk to you. It's okay. I'll be nice. When, when you're in college, your money looks kind of funny. You look at the bank account all the time and you try to figure out why you don't have any more money. But yet you see Starbucks. You see, they're laughing. I'm telling you, on the way to class, you gotta get the Starbucks. Why? Because if I don't have it, I'm gonna fall asleep. 
paying too much money to fall asleep. So you swipe the card and you say that heavenly prayer, Father, please make sure there's money in it. Let it go through. And it goes through. And you go to class and you're just as happy. I got my Starbucks. Until you look at your statement again. All of a sudden it's negative. How could it go through and I'm negative? And I used to say, there is a God in heaven. He makes all the wrongs right. And he will make this right. I got amen. You can say it loud. Amen. Oh, she's going to fit. You're going to fit in good right here. It's okay. We can say amen in here. And then you get a call from mom and dad. Yep, yep. I got another one back there. They say, Barry, you know your account's in a negative? No. What happened? I didn't know. And then all of a sudden, money appears. That's kind of how we do. We got, a, we got another one. Everybody wants God to just wipe out that debt and do nothing, right? We just want it to go back to being even, and we're good, and we're going about our way. But Paul says, when it happened to me, not only did he wipe out my debt, but he gave me a hunger and desire to know him. It wasn't just that I had money in the bank, it was that I had the ability to know him more. I had the ability to call on him. I had the ability to, to understand his heart. And if we could ever understand that, that part about before we came to Christ, some of us have been walking with the Lord 20, 30, 40 years. So you kind of forget what BC days look like, don't you? You said that too quick. You said that way too quick. I'm going to help you, Roy. I'm going to bring back what BC days look like. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Look at what it says. And when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient, we too all previously, we too all, see that word all? That's all of us, lived among them in our fleshly desires carrying out the inclinations of the flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as to the others were, but God. Church, say that with me, but God. Say that, say that with, but God. But God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. Y'all missed your time to shout. That was the time to really shout. You, you brought nothing into the salvation but your sins. That's all you had. And he made you alive. Because of it, you can say it louder. I heard it over here. You can say it louder. But because of his grace and his mercy, 
Now you can walk with him. Now you can talk with him. Now you can live for him. But what happens is we've been saved for a while. So we forgot what it looked like to be BC. We forgot what it looks like not to walk with him. And we don't understand why people are doing what they're doing. They're following the ruler of this air. The enemy has blinded them from the truth of the gospel. Now comes the good news. He's put us in their path. We are trophies of grace. It's, it's one of those things that every time somebody sees you, there should be a great smile. I don't care what's happening in your life. You know why? Because Paul said, for me to live, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm gonna come down. I think they missed when you preached that. For me to live and to die is what? So no matter what happens, it's all about Christ. That's why we have joy. That's why we should rejoice always if you know him. If you know him. Because no matter how this thing plays out, you have Christ. He is sufficient. You no longer have to rely on yourself. You don't no longer have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You have an advocate. And you know what he's doing? He's sitting right beside the Father, making intercession for each one of us. You know, sometimes you don't know what to pray. I've been there before. Jesus knows what to pray. And he's praying for you even as we speak. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to know him more. You know, I have a list of people that I pray for, right? Don't, don't say this out loud. Sometimes I forget. Don't laugh. I do forget to pray for him. That's why it's nailed to my computer screen now. Every morning, I start praying for people because we're all going through something. But sometimes, those people don't know Jesus yet. Do you know sometimes you have to pray years and you may not see it, but God is faithful. At just the right time, he opens their eyes. And so Paul had it as his goal, he wanted to know Christ. I think that's a pretty admirable goal. How many gold people we have in here? I'm not going to call on you. How many people set goals? Okay. Hey, Jim. Jim sets goals. How many gold people? All right. Thank you. What's the first thing in setting a goal? You can talk to me. You're real, you're real good at your goals. What's the first thing you do? 
If I could come back and hug you, I would. You set those smart goals. You set those smart goals. You got to be real specific. You just can't say, I want to lose weight. I do that all the time. I want to lose weight. And then I got a little lady that lives in my house and said, how are you doing? I don't know. She said, then you're not trying to do it. I said, that's, that's probably accurate. It's probably accurate. But if we're trying to get to know Christ, how are you doing that? If you're trying to get to know him, that's your goal. Listen to what Paul says. This is what he would recommend. He said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Listen to his heart. I want to know him. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his, well, this translation's different, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. How many people like to suffer? Yeah. Me either. But look at the word fellowship. You don't suffer by yourself. Christ gets in it with you. He is the one that gives you the strength when you're going through that trial that you don't believe you can make it through, he's right there with you. His promise, he said he would never leave you nor forsake you. In your darkest time, Christ is there. Those are those times where he speaks loudly because there are no other distractions. When you're in a trial, how many people ask, God, just get me out of this trial? It's the first thing I say. You know, I changed my prayer. The reason why I changed my prayer because you keep going through the same trial means you didn't learn while you were in the trial. So I'm like, God, teach me this lesson so I don't have to repeat the grade again. Because when you learn a lesson, that means you're supposed to actually do what you learn and not learn it just to learn it. Paul tells us to comfort others with the same comfort that God's given you. So part of the reason why you went through your trial is not just for you. God's going to bring somebody else in your path that you start hearing their story and you start saying, oh, oh, that's familiar. I was there before. 
let me share how God brought me through. Maybe it'll give you some encouragement. So we have to understand to set our goal, and part of setting your goal is setting a time to speak and to meet with God. Anybody have regular time that you meet with God? Yep, I kind of do. It's the morning. And then I started working at Valley, and Mike's like, you're only available in the morning, so can we meet in the morning? And I said, yeah. But guess who time Mike took? He took my time away from God. So all of a sudden, my day is going down each day. I'm like, God, what happened? He said, you left me. You traded me for Mike. And I'm like, that's not a good trade. I'm like, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And then I had to tell Mike, Mike, I can't meet in the mornings anymore. You understand there are certain things that are good, but there are things that are better. Choose the better. Because you can meet. I can meet Mike later. But I needed God to start my day so that I was, my attitude was more towards him than me. Because if you wake up like I do, I have 20 things on my to-do list before I even get to good morning coffee. And I'm processing how I'm going to get through those 20 things. But when I met with God, he was the most important thing. So he gets the chance to edit my day and shows me what's important, as opposed to me telling me what's important. So I had to what Paul did in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he said, so we make it our goal to please him who is Christ, whether we are at home or in the body, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Understanding we have to give an account for our life. Every minute that we have, we give an account. As believers, we're accountable to Christ with what we do with our time, what we do with our money, what we do with our relationships. Why? Why are we accountable to all those things? Because he bought us. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Once you said, Jesus, I'll follow you, you know the hardest thing about following somebody? Is getting close enough but not tripping over them. How many people have been in a funeral procession? You ain't Nobody goes to the grave anymore? You have those cars that don't know how to follow? The people, the funeral director says, I'm going to stop at a red light, but I'm going to keep going. You keep going. There's always one that stops. And I'm behind the one that stops. You can say, I'm going to tell you how God's working on my heart. Because I'm going to lay on the horn and say, we're going to miss it. We're going to get left. And then all of a sudden, you've got to weave in and out of traffic. 
what happens is we stop meeting with God when things start going our way. Remember that job you prayed for? Remember that spouse you prayed for? And God, yeah, yeah, Mike, God sent you Vicky. Yeah, and you were just so happy, so delighted. And then all of a sudden, okay, God, we don't need to hang out as much because Vicky is doing it all for me. She's making me excited. She's making me happy. And then Mike does the unbelievable. Date night. Phone rings. Vicky, dun, 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 dun. Vicky says, will he answer or will he pay attention to me? Stay tuned. <laughs> Lastly, and then I'm out of your way, you gotta be dedicated to the goal. Dedicated to the goal. Look at what Paul says. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect or mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. Did you see that picture? Forgetting, forgetting what's behind. A lot of times we think of some of the past failures that we've done. We love to forget those, but sometimes we gotta forget those successes because they prevent us from moving forward. But his imagery here is like stretching out. It takes effort to move forward. It takes effort to spend time with God. It takes effort to study the Bible. It's just not something that just happens. Sometimes we believe we should read a passage and just get it all in one reading. Sometimes you gotta read a passage 10, 20 times before you're really even scratching the surface of what Christ is saying. So understanding, getting to know him, any stalkers in the house? I ain't talking about the creepy kind. Oh, I'm gonna leave that side of the room alone. I stalked my wife. Why are you laughing? Somebody stalked you. All I'm saying is, I asked everybody who knew her what was her favorite. What was her favorite candy? What was her favorite thing to do? What was her favorite place to go? What could I do to impress her? Why do you think I did that? Why? Joe, why would I do that, Joe? You're part of the couples class, why would I do that? Joe, have you looked at me? I don't have to win her over. <laughs> you must not know. The reality is I wanted to know her before I got to meet her 
so that I could take her all the right places and she would be like, wow, he knows me. And I was like, yes, I did my homework. How many people do that with Jesus? How many people desire to know him? Not just for what you can get, but for who he is. And that he wants you to walk with him and talk with him. Look at the last thing he tells them. It's a process. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on any point you think differently, that too will be made clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Wherever you are in your spiritual walk, that's where you're to walk. If you're still young in the faith, walk so that you can become mature in the faith. How do you do that? I'm glad you asked. Get a buddy. How many people like to work out? Oh, I shouldn't ask that question. It's hard to work out by yourself, isn't it? You can talk. Rachel, you can talk. It's hard to work out by yourself, isn't it? Who's that? that was a big voice back there. I'm talking <laughs> to Juan. I'm talking to Rachel right now. When I needed Juan, I know where to come. It's hard because lifting weights is hard. And you get sore the next day, right? You need somebody to encourage you. You need somebody to go on this journey with. It's called discipleship. Who is pouring into your life? Who is that person that God's put beside you to walk in this journey together? That's how we grow as a body. That's how we become all that God wants you to become. But you got to seek out those people. Because there'll be days where you won't feel like coming to church. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. There'll be days at other people's churches that people won't want to come. Not here. You want to come here. I'm sorry, Mike. I didn't want to put that in there. But you need to say, somebody needs to text you and say, we missed you. How are you feeling? That's showing the love of Christ. That's allowing Christ to use you to walk with somebody else. So as we look to become mature believers, understanding I can be mature today, but I also can act immature tomorrow. It's a process of making sure you deliberately say, I'm living for Christ. It's not about me anymore. It's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. If that's where you are, you're in a great place. This is a place of growth. And can I tell you when you grow, just like your muscles, you're going to have some growing pains. You're going to have some discomfort. Keep leaning into them. Keep studying the word. Because I'm telling you, it will be profitable. 
not just for today, but also in eternity. Father in heaven, we thank you for Paul's example of what it looks like to walk in maturity, putting aside the things of this world and striving to know you more intimately and deeply. God, we're all here because of the work of Christ. God, I pray for that one who may not know you, who may be wrestling with what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight. I pray that you would uh, reveal yourself to them. Or God, there are people here that uh, are looking for a body of believers that love you. God, I pray that they would uh, see the love and feel the love and hear you calling them to serve here. God, whatever you're doing, I pray that you would continue to do that work as we do our invitation song. We ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, maybe you're here for the first time and you've never put your trust in Jesus. Um, you've never understood what it meant to walk with him. Uh, Pastor Mike will be down front. I'll be down front. Uh, David will be down front. Uh, we will be here to share that journey with you. Every trip that's memorable has people involved. If today God's calling you, harden not your heart. Or maybe God's calling you to join this body of believers. Whatever God spoke to you about today, this is your time to participate and respond. We're gonna sing a hymn. If you would all rise, and whatever God's spoken to you with, now is your time to move. <laughs>